Welcome to Loving the Snow Life, the podcast where our snow resort obsessed mums talk everything snow. You'll learn stuff including ski school, is it worth it? How to get the best travel deals, what snow gear to buy, sustainability and much more. Some mums love the Kardashians. Our mums love ski documentaries. Between them, they've skied 84 snow resorts and they've dragged us to plenty of them. We're not complaining, we love it. Over to you, Mums. We're here with Rick Coates from Disabled Winter Sports Australia. Rick, tell us about your organisation that started in 1978. Uh, an amputee, uh, one-legged uh, ski guy called Ron Finneran and another guy called Nick Dean, who was a ski instructor. And they started the um, Disabled Skiers Federation of Australia. Um, and basically since then, every winter Paralympian has come through DWA without exception. So, um, but we're very proud of that. And, and the winter Paralympic teams, you know, they're, they're pretty small, six people, maybe seven, eight people, I think at Pyeongchang in 2018. But um, Nick Dean, one of our founding father, was actually the chef de mission for the Paralympics in 2018 in Korea, in South Korea. Um, so since then, we've grown across um, five resorts. And uh, so we do, you know, Bullerhofen Falls in Victoria uh, and um, Threadbow Parish in New South. We also have two accommodation facilities, uh, one in Jindabyne at the Sport and Rec facility that we built in 2004. And they're uh, self-contained accessible units. So we run a lot of camps programs out of there, particularly for beginners. And we partner with people like Cerebral Palsy Australia and Special Olympics Australia. Um, we do around about 20 camps uh, in Jindabyne each year. And then in 2018, the uh, Victorian State Government um, uh, built us, after many years of lobbying, built us an all-access uh, building at um, Howman's Gap, which is at Falls Creek. Uh, and it's the only universally accessible uh, building above the snow line in Australia. Uh, so it has, you know, 38 beds that are all um, specially designed for people with disability, um, along with uh, Changing Places Pod, which is, you know, for um, people with severe movement mobility to be able to shower and toilet independently. Um, facilities like that, um, you know, not only drive accessible tourism, um, but also, you know, get the community um, I guess to, to understand and, and, and raise awareness um, by getting people out in the snow. So um, for us, the, you know, we have our mission is to facilitate the, um, the uh, winter sports in Australia as the national sporting organisation. And we're also the national sporting organisation with disability. So we're a Paralympic voting partner um, and we, we punch above our weight. You know, really, we only have two full-time employees. Everybody else is part-time and seasonal. Um, we rely on about 400 volunteers nationally. Um, to help deliver our programs. So we do a lot of, lot of training. Um, and uh, we did in 2019, we did about 3,500 days on snow across those five resorts. Um, so, uh, you know, biggest, in, uh, biggest year yet. Um, we, yeah, we, we, I guess we, we've, we're the grassroots sport organisation, but we do uh, all types of disability, but we do it right through to talent ID uh, with Paralympics and Snow Australia. 
who delivered the Paralympic program. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we find that a lot, of our, um, a lot of our members and their families and our volunteers um, come to us initially as a little bit of an aspirational activity. So they, they, they do look to um, have a bit of a bucket list. You know, I've always wanted to go to the snow, go skiing, et cetera. But we find through the use of gravity and momentum that we all love, uh, you know, being, on, uh, being in the mountains and going down the ski runs is that um, it's incredibly emancipating. So uh, people can experience independence, gain confidence, which improves, you know, not only mental and physical well-being, but... Um, but obviously, you know, trickles right through their family and their community uh, once they leave the ski field. So, our mantra is finding freedom on the snow. And yeah, if like you go it. to, yeah, if we if we get, yeah. you go to our homepage, there's a really powerful video um, that was put together by one of our volunteers, who's a, a renowned cinematographer, David Frangic. Um, and that's that's sort of a ninety second video. Uh, uh, a film, if you like, um, just and it really just encapsulates uh, what we do and and just the um, you know the incredible impact that it has. So uh, even though we are incredibly niche. What what's the website that they should go to what, to see this video? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so it's it's disabledwintersport.com.au. Yeah, great. And if you go to the about section in there, it's finding freedom on the snow. It's um, you can punch it into YouTube or, you know, Facebook or whatever, and it's on there as well. Um, and that, whenever we do presentations and, you know, awareness training sessions, whether it's at resorts or with corporates, um, we play that as a, a segue into an introduction and, and it, um, it really resonates. Uh, yeah, so, I, I, I went to an Oz Snow conference last year in Canberra. Oh, yes, yeah, I was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. it was great. Yeah, it was a good... It was a good start, wasn't it? Yeah. Great start. Yeah. Yeah. Really great start. And, and then we had the two speakers that were in the, in the room and that was pretty amazing as well. It was a good vibe. I think um, skiers need to know more about the Disabled Winter Sports Academy, you know, of how it actually fits into the snow sports scheme in Australia. And, you know, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Rick. How did you get involved? Um, oh, look, I've got a, I've got a, um, a background in management, managing not-for-profit um, associations uh, and clubs. So uh, I was living in Hong Kong and uh, came back to hometown of Melbourne and my kids uh, are, are right into um, skiing and snowboarding and um, I was an instructor in, in another life as well and, and then in 2008 I had a really bad yeah, 2008 I had a really bad accident in, um, at Breckenridge in Colorado and basically lost the use of my left leg so um, Wow. Yeah, so snowboarding was quite challenging after that. And um, my ex-wife has cerebral palsy. So I um, had some lived experience with her mobility challenges, particularly when everyone else in the family is, is loving the snow and yeah. she's yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so I, 2016 I came back and, uh, you know, I, I guess um, I put my hand up to be a director of DWA uh, to try and uh, make them more sustainable. Um, yeah. Because the funding, the funding is really thirty percent government, thirty percent grants or philanthropic grants, and thirty percent membership and donations. So we run pretty tightly yeah. um, in terms of funding. So yeah, from there, um, I was working for Melbourne Cricket Club at the time and uh, finished a couple of projects with them, and then 
uh, we had the opportunity to reinvent the business, I suppose, to at DWA to try and make it more financially um, viable uh, and become an NDIS provider, which yep. helped us achieve some rebatable expenses for our members uh, and also saw our membership base grow pretty significantly. So, um, yeah, so I started off volunteering in that role and then I went full-time a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's great. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so how does the NDS help with the adaptive snow sports in Australia? So, is it, is it? So, yeah, yeah. Get the message out that you're available, that you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry to cut you off there. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I guess the the NDIS is a, is still a little bit of a, an unknown for many people. Um, it is a little bit convoluted. It's certainly well intended. Um, it sits under the, the NDIA, the National Disability Insurance Agency. Um, and then it does vary from state to state in some of the um, expenses. But basically, uh, what we're able to provide is a rebate for what's called um, community uh, activity and engagement. So um, if somebody has a, an NDIS plan that they are managing through either themselves uh, or through a third party, so effectively... A plan manager, yep. then they can not they can nominate DWA uh, as an activity that they would like to participate in, um, and they can claim uh, depending on which state they can claim everything from um, some membership expenses to some accommodation expenses um, to the daily expenses, which I must say are all, are all pretty reasonable. You know, we keep everything at a break even scenario, so we're not profiting um, from any of our charges, but. Um, yeah, that's still it's still in its infancy, really. I think it's going to take a few more years to flesh out. But um, yeah. you know, an, annual plans, I think, um, you know, government are, are investing in it heavily, and it'll provide a lot of benefit to. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of information on your website about that as well. I'm kind of reading it, like I read it over the couple of days, and it is quite reasonable. But it is, I think, if you, I think if you are dealing with the NDIS, you'd you'd kind of have an idea of how to get started. But I'm yeah. I'm not. So it is quite overwhelming, but yeah, it, it's definitely great to get funding for you guys into and grow it bigger, isn't it? And to grow your community, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. And look, the, the thing with disability is that it can happen to anybody at any time. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, a lot of people come to us when their knees go um, or they've had a stroke um, or they have a grandchild who is, is uh, you know, autistic, for example, um, or somebody has a motorbike accident and loses the use of their legs. Um, and the NDIS really is that safety net there to um, allow people to participate in, in activities that are, you know, are, are recreational, um, that improve wellbeing and ultimately save on healthcare. Uh, mm. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's something that I think um, will touch a lot of people. And the other point I'd make too, Tanil, is that when somebody with a disability travels, they normally travel with about 2.8 people. Um, if you look at the adaptive travel market in the States, um, I can send you some stuff on it. The, the, the income in 20, I think it was 2017, 2018, was second only to Chinese inbound tourism. So it's literally billions of dollars in adaptive uh, and accessible accommodation. And so Australia is quite far behind uh, particularly the states who are a leader uh, in yeah. uh, adaptive and accessibility uh, travel and accommodation. 
Yeah, it's... What, at what age can you start someone with an adaptive sport with winter sports? Oh, look, we, we, do, we do as young as six. Um, but obviously we have any parents and guardians present um, with our volunteers. We, we're a child-safe organisation. Yeah. Um, and we, we, very, we work very hard to exceed um, and go above and beyond the expectations and regulations around child safety, um, not only with our volunteers but all of our staff. Um, I think so if, people, if people down at the snow have ever seen anyone being assisted on the snow, I think they'd be familiar with the carts that look quite, I don't know what you call them, but they look kind of heavy. Um, yeah, they're called uh, sit skis. Okay. Yeah. And and maybe the um, like the harness being used. What uh, what are other things are down there for people? Uh, yeah. So the, the sit skis are our main, um, I suppose, our main piece of equipment. They've we've got the largest sit skis fleet in Australia. Um, we deliver a lot of those programs on behalf of resorts. Um, there's not a lot of adaptive lessons that are offered, or sorry, that are participated in by ski schools. Um, and most of the ski schools don't have sit skis. They're about $15,000 each and they last for about four years. Oh, wow. Um, Is that because we're in Tehran getting them on and off chairlifts? Uh, yeah, and just the environment. And they're basically, they, they have a shock absorber, they have a gas lifting system. Um, and yeah, the, our depreciation on them is over four years. We can sometimes get a little bit longer out of them, but of course, um, there's such a specialised piece of equipment. There's nothing made here in Australia, um, which we'd love to change if anyone out there wants to fund some R&D. Yeah. Um, so they're made in, in basically in um, uh, France by Tessia and, um, uh, and in Colorado by uh, Adaptive Concepts. So they're the two manufacturers. Uh, we have about 60 of them across our five resorts. So, That's impressive. That's great. Yeah, yeah. We have we've had some incredible donations from you know, philanthropic uh, and from families and foundations, etc., to to help fund the purchase of those. So, when um, somebody's um in the lift line behind a sit ski, yeah, what should what should we do? Is there anything uh, differently? No, maybe the just expect the lift to slow down for the loading. Yep. Um, so just a bit of patience, but no, I think anybody with a disability um, doesn't want any special treatment. They just want to be treated like everybody else. And sure, there's some things that we can do to make life easier um, and, and be a bit more empathetic. Um, but no, that's the only thing with the Sitski really is that um, uh, it's quite it's quite a nerve-wracking thing. It's part of our awareness training that we put able-bodied people in the Sitski and then... Um, you know, if you've ever been in a wheelchair for whatever reason, whether it's temporarily or on crutches, you know that when you don't have control over your movement and somebody else is controlling your movement, particularly in that environment, yeah. it, it can be, it'd be quite um, quite overwhelming and a bit scary. And uh, a lot of our participants, it's it's you know, can be first time. You know, I'm, I'm actually a level two CADS instructor from oh, uh, okay, cool. a long time ago. And um, I got my level two at Whistler in the... Yeah early 90s <laughs> and, um, and it was really interesting because we actually got um, evacuated so I was in the sit ski when they evacuated us from a lift that was part of the course oh wow okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay and wow it, that's good so did they do a rope evacuation from the chair evacuation? Did they? yeah wow. yeah and it was really uh, like because I am an able-bodied person so for me to not have any use of anything was really quite 
quite scary. So I, I yes, I bet, yeah, yeah. But it was also it also took me back to how these people that don't have the ability to use this on a daily life are amazing people that they want to get out there. They want to enjoy the mountains, you know, they just want to experience what we experience. And, and it was quite incredible to be in that environment, be in a sit ski and yeah, not have the use of anything. But yeah. was, that, was that, was that after the Whistler, Whistler chair, Whistler Creek chair went down? Oh, what you did? Uh, that was it. Was ninety three? <coughs> oh, okay. Early. It must. It, I think it must have been a year after. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I was. I was there ninety five, ninety six. Okay. Yeah. No. And uh, yeah, it was the first first year of that uh, the gondola at Whistler Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Age now, aren't I? Wow. I, know, <laughs> I was the only Australian on ski school back then. No. <laughs> <laughs> One of the only 10, but yeah, no, it was quite bizarre, but yeah, but it was really an yeah. interesting course to, back the, like in Canada, I had to do that to be able to get my level three Canadian. It was all part of their instructors yeah. courses. So for you to be like, you had to get your race coach, you had to get your adaptive sport kind of tag CADS, I think they're calling it in Canada. So yeah, yeah. So, in Australia, we should probably adapt that a little bit more into our culture. I think knowing that the community is growing. And, and and I think that that's right. That just the fact that it's degenerative diseases as well, and that can happen to anyone. And um, it 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 should be. I think this is fantastic that we're even having this conversation. It should just be growing awareness nationally for us. And yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and I think what we find is that it gives you know it gives our members the confidence to go into to try other things, whether it's adaptive cycling, um, you know, some incredible electric powered um, recumbent motorbikes, you, um, motorbikes uh, push bikes you can get, you know, hand cycles uh, with a, a motor uh, assistance. Um, there's there's adaptive scuba diving, there's, there's horse riding, um, rock climbing. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and in fact, the, the, the best practice, world's best practice is Whistler Adaptive. Um, and then also the uh, National Centre for uh, Disability Sport at Winter Park in um, Colorado. So I was able to go and visit them in June last year. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, they're probably 10 years ahead of where we're at. Um, 10 years. Everything they do and have... Yeah, oh, look, it's been legislation in... Um, federal legislation in the States since about 2008 to make everything accessible. So... Um, <laughs> You know, you, you, you travel with someone in a wheelchair and sometimes they can't get into a restaurant because it's got a step or hasn't got a proper bathroom or whatever. And, and here we just kind of sort of shrug our shoulders and say sorry. But there it's just a, it's not negotiable. Everything has an adaptive, um, you know, uh, adaptive access point Brand to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. So we, we'll get there. But, um, and, and yeah, again, um, over 850,000 Australians living with progressive neurological or neuromuscular conditions. Yes, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, if you do the research, it's quite quite incredible. The um, one in five Australians identifies with a disability. That's the, that's the official stat. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, and then you probably... You could probably assume that there's a whole lot of people there that are not identifying. Um, mm, okay. You know, like you know, like people we know who say, look, I, I don't want to be identified. I just don't, I don't want the 
disabled parking sticker. I don't want the NDIS. You know, I just want to be treated as, you know, someone who's just yeah. a bit different. Yeah, wow. So, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It so is. when, you, when you are working with the ski resort, like with, with your group of your community, your community that comes together, have they skied before or are they new to snow? Or snowboarded or uh, the people that you work with currently now, like is it are they normally have they seen snow before and they miss it and they want to get back into it, or they just go, Wow, this is an opportunity that I never thought I'd kind of see or get or Yeah, it's look it's about a sixty forty split to now. We have um, through our camps programs, Victoria New South Wales, we have a lot of first timers. Yeah. Um, and and what our, one of our missions is to get people towards independence. So, you know, we want their family to get trained as guides with us so they can support them on snow. Um, and that's, that's really what we want. We want people to, to, to move towards independence. Um, obviously, for some people, that's not possible um, uh, through, you know, lack of movement, um, ability, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, about 60% um, of our members are first-timers. And, um, yeah, if you... If you think about that, it, it's, it means that we've got a growing sort of demand. Uh, yep. We've gone from about 800 members in 2011 uh, to about 1,500 members now in 2020. So, yeah, awesome. so it's like an entry yeah. level in that way and then they at some point are either a prior athlete or they decide that they love it so much that that's going to interest them. And then, is that right? And then you're sort of different things yeah. at that point. So we, we have, um, I suppose we, we have, you know, it's a, a recreational pursuit. We don't, we don't teach, we don't coach. Um, so if people want to move into uh, competitive stuff, we, we do have a race week in Perisher each year uh, in conjunction with Special Olympics. Um, and then if there is a desire to, you know, to, to pursue um, elite kind of competition, um, then you know they introduced to Snow Australia. Really, um, there's a great there's a great story about a guy um, he, called Sam Tate um, out of Perisher, and uh, he had a motorbike accident, uh, paraplegic. Uh, he's now on the World Cup um, sit skiing circuit after okay. about five years. Um, he's just named National Volunteer of the Year. Um, Snow Australia. He's a, a great guy, but. A lot of these guys, they have to be self-funded um, to travel. Uh, and it's quite quite expensive and quite challenging to independently travel um, and, compete, and compete. So, yeah, lots of good stories there um, for people who progressed on from, you know, thinking they'd never leave the house to, um, you know, competing internationally. Mm. Yeah. So would the first step be to join one of your camps? Would that be the best option, do you think? Yeah, I think the camps are supported, so that's a great that's a great entry level, um, and they're, they're they're quite a it's quite a bonding experience, very supportive, um, you know, very safe. We we don't take risks with weather, we don't rush. You know, a lot of people when we go to the snow, it's it's quick. Put your boots on, let's get out the door. You know, um, uh, whereas we, we we take our time and um, we do everything in a very considered way. Um, I've got to say, we have amazing staff. We have you know, some real expertise there, um, but we we have um, uh, just this this army of volunteers that are, are just incredible. And you know what Australians are like; they are, they're so selfless. 
We love um, a volunteer, don't we? We do. <laughs> we do. Yeah, mainly, yeah. mainly volunteers living down locally or do you find people travel? And, mm, yeah. Yeah, people travel. Um, it's, it depends which mountain, which state. Um, obviously, it's a bit, you know, you can get to Falls for the weekend from Melbourne. Um, we get a lot from regional centres like Albury um, that, that come into the Victorian mountains. Canberra services into Parish of Threadbow, Jindabyne, very active. Um, a lot from Sydney who come down um, for the weekend or for long weekends or school holidays. Um, but we have some incredible stories. I mean, we had a guy, um, uh, Paul Letters, who's a, a quite a renowned author who um, has got a degenerative muscular disease and in a wheelchair. And all he wanted to do was take his son and wife from the Gold Coast skiing. Um, because they'd never skied before um, together. And um, so we, we facilitated that and um, our staff member organised a, a guy to come down, um, a guy who volunteered to come down from Newcastle uh, at his own expense uh, and, and be this guy's pilot of his sit ski uh, for five days. And, um, and it wasn't until about halfway through the week that uh, Paul, you know, asked me... Um, how much is this guy getting paid? I see he's, he's a volunteer. <laughs> he's, he's actually, this is costing him money in petrol accommodation and he's even buying his own lift ticket. So, yeah. um, and his own meals. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, he was just blown away with that. Absolute um, generous spirit, really. Like, yeah, yeah. Incredible. And, incredible. And on the other hand, it's quite a shame that we, our government is not funding these either, isn't it? So right. that's, that's why we've got to get the word out <laughs> and get these volunteers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's um, it, because I think because we are so niche, you know, we're, we're very visible and relevant when there's snow on the ground. Yeah. Um, but you know what Australia, particularly on the East Coast, is like. It's, it's seasonal. You know, you tend to put your skis away and grab your surfboard. And, yeah, as soon as uh, the hot day comes in September. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, I've got, I've got to say with the bushfires, you know, that, um, so I'm from Bansdale, which is, you know, sort of the back of Mount Hotham and um, right down through that whole, um, you know, southeast corner from Mallacoota up to Batemans Bay. Yeah. Um, those, commu- those communities there really rely on the snow, um, yeah. you know, both sides of the dividing range. Um, and so uh, when there is bushfires, uh, People just say, well, I'm not going anywhere near the mountains. Um, uh, and so that cuts out the, cuts out the summer um, trade as well. And, um, yeah, and, now, and now with COVID, you know, I think... Um, yeah, how, just, are, just how, is, how do you do with COVID? Like what, what would be your procedures this year for down the snow? Obviously, everything's changing as we speak because it's now, I guess, what are we, May? No, what are we, June? June 2020 that we're doing this interview. So... Mm. We're right amongst our ski resorts just announcing their restrictions for this season. So how, how does the DWA work with COVID this year? Well, we're working with closely with the resorts and the Australian Ski, ski, Australian ski Area Association, ASAA, um, and, the lift, and the lift companies. <clears throat> so it, there's a lot of stakeholders. You know, obviously at a higher level, we've presented plans to um, federal and state governments uh, with the ASAA, uh, and then similarly to the state the state governments and then into the individual resorts. Um, I guess for us, the biggest challenge is, is the, um, you know, the social distancing and, and the physical contact that's required, even if it's fleeting. Um, and then the use of equipment and um, that equipment containing some fabric 
um, and whether we can um, reuse that within 48 hours or whether we need to have a break. Uh, also understanding what sort of capacity resorts are going to have is something that's yet to be known. Yeah. Um, it'll obviously be reduced and limited. Um, it'll be limited lifts, longer lift queues, a uh, limited number of tickets available, how those tickets are allocated, you know, whether it's a ballot system or people with accommodation or what is still unclear. Yeah. Um, so we will offer we will offer some services, but they will be limited for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, we I think we want we understand that um, there's a there's risk. Um, we just need to assess that risk. Um, we know what we we know what we can do. It's just what we should do, um, and how much of it. So I, I think you know our board are very aware too that that people with a disability still should have the right to be able to choose an activity. Um, a, a recreational leisure activity that uh, an able-bodied person can choose. So um, we'll be on the mountain. Um, Great. <laughs> our volunteers are fired up. Our staff are, are all just waiting to pull the trigger across those five resorts. Um, unfortunately, our camps program is cancelled for 2020. Um, and those, faci- those facilities that are operated by independent operators to us um, have made that call um, and we support that. Um, because it was just, you know, I guess in April we made the call. It was too difficult to see a way through. Um, we're hoping those those facilities could reopen later in, in the season and we're also hoping, hoping that the season is extended, um, you know, that goes beyond October 1. Uh, yeah. snow on the ground. Late snow. Bring on the late snow, hey? We're, we're always to be the way. early snow, but this year it's like, we just want it to snow till October 15th. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds good to me, Sunil. October fifteenth, it is. You know, um, notice that Threbo, the merits chairlift was auctioned off. Um, they auctioned off. Yeah. one hundred and twelve chairs, and DWA got was it twelve grand? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, Threbo, massive supporters. Um, Stuart Diver and his team, Adam Hosey, and um, and look, you know, Alan Ridge, the major shareholder, uh, is. You know, he's a great guy and we know him personally. Um, yeah. They're just an amazing community there. Uh, it's, they, they just get things done. Um, so we're, we're very grateful for that. Yeah. And look, interestingly, under COVID, we've had more cash donations than we've ever seen um, in previous years at this point in time. Um, people, are, people are joining as members. People are giving us donations, um, which are tax deductible, of course, but... Um, yeah. People recognise that, you know, to keep the fires burning um, with limited income um, is going to take, uh, you know, community effort. There's some great, there's great video clips uh, on your, on your website, isn't there one on the, um, a little clip the ABC did and also on the Falls Creek website, some good videos, fallscreek.com.au. Yes, we've we've had some great support from from various resorts and from from media as well. Um, yeah, we we you know we find that really powerful. Um, you know, we see a massive massive impact. So um, as we move into this online world, um, you know, vision is really important. Um, I think it and it helps. It helps people just see what what people are doing. I mean, you can some of those cuts. Is it like fifty to sixty kilometres an hour? The uh, yeah, it can, be, it can be when they're racing, when they're sit skiing, it's more like 100, 120. Wow. Um, 
it feels yeah, like at, four thousand kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> From my experience, it feels a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, and so look similarly with the um, the VI skiers. You know, one of our our ambassador members uh, is Melissa Perrin. She lives on the south coast. She's an amazing accomplished young lady um and she's a three-time paralympic champion um she was in canberra there to nil at that uh at the snow conference. yeah i was like um, wrote that name down yeah. Like, yeah she was amazing <clears throat> excuse me so she's fabulous yeah so she's i mean she she skis with i think two percent vision um yeah with with her guide yelling left and right uh, at about 100 k's an hour down the hill so Incredible. Yeah, people are amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So Michael Milton, back in the old school. <laughs> yes. He kind yeah. Of, yeah. He put them. I remember, like, he put it on the map, really, didn't he? Like for para, para skiers, and now he's almost he's a cyclist and a para athlete now. But that's right. He, yeah. So. Yeah. So he's quite an amazing figure for DWA. I would imagine is he still quite involved with the organisation, or he's going to do another things now? He's back on the. Into the summer. Yeah, he's, I guess uh, Michael's, Michael's you know, still a great friend of DWA. And yeah, in great. fact, um, our founding founding uh, fathers I mentioned before, Nick Dean and Ron Finneran, um, claim to have taught Michael to ski in Threadboat. <laughs> um, so he, we go back a long way. Um, he's still the fastest man on skis in, a, yeah. in uh, Australia. Skis. So yeah. that's skis. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, still, but one or two. Yep, he's still the fastest. Oh, got a great, on ski. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he still holds that record and, and he's um, he's got a great mountain biking business in Canberra. Yeah. Uh, and uh, his sister's very involved um, at Threadboat as well. Does a lot of things like goes uh, kite skiing in Alaska, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Amazing. Um, so they're a great family. Yeah. yeah. And just a yeah. great... A great um, you know, great ambassador for awareness about you know what you can accomplish, which is what you need, isn't it? Ambassadors for awareness. <laughs> I yeah, remember yeah, going to the, I went to the um, Sydney Paralympics and I just was blown away by everyone. I thought, oh my gosh, I can't do anything. Look at all these people, amazing people. Uh, really I amazing. think we saw it. We we saw it with the Invictus Games too, didn't we? Everyone yeah, was just yeah. like, oh wow, these guys are amazing. So yeah. there is, you know, we're hoping that. Um, that Prince Harry will, will do a, a winter one at Whistler. They've been in talk, I know they've been in talks with with Whistler. Um, oh, he was living in Victoria, so hey, they're gonna they yeah. know where to rent the house. So <laughs> we're all fing, fingers crossed for that. But um, that would be amazing. So how can people get involved with DWA, and how can they donate and yeah, no more. I think um, look, if you're at the resort, give our volunteers a pat on the back. Um, if you know someone with a disability and, you know, or should I also mention that mental health is a disability? Yeah. Um, and as we know, the, you know, the, the, the figures of uh, sadly, particular, particularly amongst men uh, around uh, mental health and, and suicide are uh, some of the highest in the world. So we've got to change that. And, you know, that qualifies under NDIS. We, we do do some, some men's camps around uh, mental health and, um, you know, getting people out there challenging themselves in you know, beautiful Australian Alpine. Um, so, yeah, join up as a, a volunteer, um, encourage someone who you think uh, might enjoy it to become a member. Uh, and uh, I guess, you know, if you, if you do see somebody um, or know someone um, who hasn't been to the snow before and you think they might get a, a 
a benefit out of it, then point them our way. Yeah, uh, but I guess you know those underlying themes of, of you know inclusion, awareness, um, a, a bit of empathy and understanding, um, and you know recognizing that uh, people what they're achieving out there on the snow is um, you know probably more so than a lot of able-bodied people could do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's totally true. <laughs> yeah, so it's all moving in a good direction. Um, we can always use funding, and we, and our funding our donations are always specific. So we don't do lights on operational stuff. Um, you know, we always uh, buy specific bits of equipment or we run specific camps. Um, you know, we've got a great uh, relationship with Volkswagen Australia. Yep. Um, they give us uh, about six vehicles every season to help get our staff and members around. Um, that is great. So, yeah, and I think what we found too is we, we've done some, some awareness training with corporates. Um, you know, with PwC in Canberra, for example, and resorts and we really find that um, you know it, it comes back to being able to improve people's customer service in business so you know how do you how do you talk to someone with autism in a respectful empathetic way um, how do you you know how do you uh, interact with a colleague who's perhaps got an acquired brain injury um, those kind of things uh, just make uh, everybody's life you know more positive but also more productive that's true i have a lovely story this year in canada we were because i live in canada for three months of the year and they they um the cads the volunteers we're about to live tonight uh some peaks oh nice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so we have they, they have an amazing amazing volunteer program there i think they've got about 60 yeah. people on their volunteer list that they kind of rely on and they're used all the way through the season as well. The 60 volunteers are amazing because they always do two volunteers um, with, uh, well, depending on, um, but this, but the story that I've got is that there was um, this beautiful autistic um, girl, Sophie, who was there this season and she wouldn't go up the lift unless she could come into the ski lodge and go up the lift twice. Yeah. <laughs> so they, so, okay, we've got two goes up the lift inside the building and then we go out, we do one go up the lift in on the hill, you know, and we ski yeah. down. And so that was their whole day. And it was quite amazing just to watch this like little Sophie come in and she's like, yeah, two, one, two, and then back out to ski. And it was really yeah. Such yeah. A special, just so special, uh -huh. you know, and just looking at the volunteers on how they could work with her and make her enjoy the experience. Well, not make her, but allow her to experience the mountains and her, cause her parents were like, we love skiing. We want her to yeah. be with us and ski the hill. So just these other areas and amazing gestures that they did to, Get Sophie to love the hill. <laughs> it was quite interesting. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And just about adjusting, you know, adjusting the the um, the experience to suit the participant, you know, and, and whatever that individual needs. Um, autism's our fastest growing area. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly because the, generally um, it's not something that um, goes well with group lessons. Yep. So under uh, people with autism under eighteen is our fastest growing area. Um, and so, you know, we're able to provide these experiences um, that are quite dignified, um, yep. which I think is, the, is another key word that I'd like to mention too. You know, safety and dignity um, is, is another thing that we, you know, we strive for uh, daily. Fine, Rick. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, really. My pleasure. Enough. Thank you for yours. Good luck. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries. Good luck with the season 2020 and uh, finding freedom on the snow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.